Super vegan, Brian. Oh, you almost did it. I that, did. I, not, oh. I, I could have done. I could have done. What's up, Buttercup? <laughs> <laughs> I almost. I almost said it too. I did. I really did. Uh, and, and map maker Anna. How are you doing today, Anna? Real well, real well in the heat. <laughs> right, Southern California for you. Yes. Now, uh, so Annie, this is your, your second time coming back. First time yes. coming back. Yeah, first time coming back. Second time on the no, show. Second time no, on. You've been on the show like three times now. Is it three times? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, that's what I was thinking. Is that... Yeah. Time flies when you have fun. Oh yeah. yes. Thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> even even if it's a simulated flight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and it's been a little while since you've been on, and uh, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, for anybody who may not have heard your episodes or just might be their first episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a Swede who moved to California five years ago, and now I'm doing maps full-time for role-playing games and computer games and novels and stuff like that. So I'm currently mapping Midgard in the last couple of weeks, hopefully, on, on mapping Midgard. What is Midgard? Midgard is Cobalt Press or Wolfgang Bauer and Cobalt Press game setting that it's available for D&D 5th edition and Pathfinder. It is such an awesome setting. I only asked so we could get description, but I yep. love it. I love Midgard. It's so cool. And there's yep. so many cool elements to that campaign. And the maps are amazing. Thank you. And and the, the original map was done by done by Jonathan Roberts, and and he's an amazing amazing map maker. So so to redo and 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 make a new version of his work is an honor indeed. Michael. Are you there? I'm here. I had to set uh, something got in the way. <laughs> we're we're good now. We're good now. We're all on. <laughs> we're happy. We're good. So anyway, yes. So and it's, I'm happy to have you back, uh, especially for today, because today we're actually going to be discussing uh, the Game of Thrones. Don't do it yet. I need special business. I know. I'm just saying okay. that. Just saying it. Yeah, but you have to do it right before I do the, but first. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. So we need special business first. Fine. Then we do. Okay. Fine. I just, I'm excited. Okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're talking about Game of Thrones today, but what, what do I have to do before that? Do, do, do your job, Michael. <laughs> I am doing my job. You're, you're going insane. <laughs> he hates me now. Um, but first, Brian, do you have anything you would like to say? Any special business? I want to let everybody know that I just started a full-time job. And as the producer and editor editor of this show, it has been a transition. Um, the show will still be up on Wednesdays, um, except for last week. <laughs> and um, bonus episodes for Patreon might be a little late each week. I have to figure out a new schedule. I'll talk about that on the Patreon. Um, we have a big bonus episode coming up on the Patreon that we recorded last week talking about the Starfinder campaign setting that will eventually be released as a bonus episode, but we want to give it to our patrons first. And um, after this episode, if we have time, Anna and I are going to be chatting a little bit for a bonus episode. So um, look forward to that if you're a patron. And if you're not a patron yet, you can sign up for that at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. 
So what are we talking about today, Michael? Well, we're talking about the Game of Thrones, Brian. Oh, that's awesome. But first, (laughs) first, it's time to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You? This is where your hosts sit down, discuss the nerdiest things they did this week, and we all vote at the end to see who did the best, who did the nerdiest. And Anna, as our guest, you get to go first. What was nerdy with you this week? Well, apart from sitting doing my maps, which is my regular thing to do, which is kind of nerdy, but not the special nerdy thing. It was one little kind of awesome incident was that I hooked up, uh, became a Facebook friend with um, Frank Menser this week. And and he's one of, for, for people, younger gamers might not know him, but he's one of the, um, not I would not say the original crew, but he's been since the very, very early days at TSR. And he'd done countless things for, for D&D published. And his name is on countless books. And he's been doing adventures and stuff since since forever, so to speak. He's one of the Hall of Fame in, in D&D. And, and and we he's he's launching a new thing this this fall and and then when we connected became Facebook friends he said we should have done this a long time ago and I know who you are and I was like yay <laughs> so that was my little tiny little bit of, of geekdom and nerdiness this week. that's, that's going to really be hard cool. to compete with you 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 have so many industry friends that you can come up with a really cool nerdy thing every week <laughs> yeah it, it's actually really awesome. Um, mine was kind, you know, it was just a really nerdy thing I did this week. I was at work and it was just normal IT work going around helping people out. And I, I got called into one of the, one of the people's cubes and they had a giant, um, they had a giant, um, walking dead Funko pop collection and I super nerded out. It was so cool to discover a nerd at work. Nerd at work. Yes. Awesome. I like that. That that sounds good. Nerd at work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hmm. So. How would you describe yourself? I'm a nerd at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of us. <laughs> yeah, We're I nerds can at see work that. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, if this was my day job, I would I would stop bitching about a lot of stuff in my life. <laughs> so, Michael, what nerdy hat did you buy this week? Oh no, no fuck you. <laughs> 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 Fuck you and your jowls. <laughs> what was uh, there to do this week, Michael? <laughs> actually, the nerdiest thing that I was actually able to do this week was uh, I actually found and started reading uh, one of the Warhammer 40k books. Ooh. Uh, good friend of mine, he actually had uh, one of the 40k books that involved the Space Wolves chapter of the Space Marines, which is the chapter I want to start playing uh, with uh, Hindu Anthony. And so I, I really nerded out about it. I asked if I could borrow it. He said yes. And I've been reading it most of this week, uh, like when I go to lunch at work. And so far, it's really good. The book has seen better days. He's had it for a long time. Well, after I finish reading my Pathfinder Tales books, I have one more left after this one. I was thinking about I was going to pick up um, King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. But after that, I was probably going to do Horus Heresy, Warhammer 40K. Yeah. Uh, Anthony swears by that by that set of books from the Black Library. And I think I want to try and read those. But after I read this 40K book, or this Warhammer 40K book, I actually want to get into the uh, King Killer Chronicles because I really like Patrick Rothfuss and everybody I know says they're amazing. Do you ever have time to read any more, Anna? I could have, but I, I read so many other things. I don't read fantasy much anymore. That's because that's now my my day job, so to speak, to sit and do this. So I read a lot of, of research material and stuff for my maps. So when I read things now, it's usually uh, real world stuff like politics and history and, and stuff like that. So yeah. She reads books about serial killers. <laughs> oh, damn it. I thought of a nerdier thing I did this week that can I change mine? 
<laughs> you, can add, you can add an addendum. <laughs> yep, yep. I was reading through the Starfinder game. I was looking at the computer hacking rules, and I started making notes on how those can be changed into a deck of cards. Oh, yep. wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can add more to, to Brian's uh, nerdiness this week. He read the entire Starfinder core rulebook. Yeah, I think that was my nerdy thing last week. That's, that was the yes. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that you were here to hear that, Michael. No, I uh, I had actually an even rougher week last week. And when I woke up to to do our recording, I, I looked at the clock and I looked at my wife and she was like, you look like you're dead. You look like a corpse. And I was and like, you I do. still made it on. This week? No, I'm good. Last week it was like last like, week when you when you when you bailed like a I, bitch. I couldn't hang, man. I couldn't <laughs> hang. I was like, I could do this. I, I got this. I'm good. You look like a corpse. I'm gonna not be on today. You should listen to the episode because it's sort of an alternate take on the show because it's it's Erica and Matt and me. It was it was neat to have like a different different couple of other co-hosts um but it was a topic we need to readdress because you guys are going to have all sorts of input on lore and video games we should totally schedule that for our next one we should totally do a part two yeah Yeah. um so all right we changed the way we vote on these anna and i want to explain it to you Mm -hmm. so now everyone has four widgets and when it's your turn to vote you just allocate your widgets to each each host however you want yeah so how would you like to give your widgets away so I have four or five. You have four. And I have you four. Can give uh, us for however many you want to. So you could say like Michael could have one, or I could have three. Or you could give. Um, I, I'm sorry, Michael could have one, and I could have three. Or you could that, give yourself all four, or you could no. give two to yourself and one to each of us. I I will I will give you, uh, uh, th- Brian. I will give you three of my my uh, widgets. widgets, and and then I will give Michael uh, uh, one. Because reading the whole core rule book and then sit down and, and do twisty cool new rules to it that right away, that to me is really nerdy. I, I am going to give three of my widgets to Michael. What? I know it's unusual, isn't it? Because I hate you so much. <laughs> what is this? A, a fucking book. I, I read a, I, I got a, I read a new book. What the fuck? I just, okay. And I'm going to give one of my widgets to Anna. Okay. So... I have four, and it has one, and I have three. Hmm. 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 That's. I could. I. (laughs) I could give you one, and then tie it up between you and me. You would tie it up between everybody if you gave me one and you gave three to. (laughs) That would be a new thing to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you each two, actually. I'm going to split these up evenly. And Michael wins! Oh! <laughs> with six widgets. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Michael, we're talking about Game of Thrones today, and I have a question about that. Yes. Well, Heather has never watched the show. What? No, never watched the show. It's probably a little bit too gory or trigger-heavy for her. Yeah, uh, I, so, I can understand that. And so she's going to avoid it. But um, she actually is going to listen to this episode. So she would like us to answer the question, what is Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones is, well, we're talking predominantly probably about what's, ha- what's happening in the TV version. But Game of Thrones is actually an HBO show based on a novel by George R.R. R. Martin. A uh, set I of looked, novels. A set of novels, yes. And uh, I just looked up the the, uh, the Wikipedia summary real quick. Game of Thrones is an American fantasy drama TV series created by David Benoff and D.B. Weiss. Uh, it is an adaptation of A Song of Ice and Fire, George R.R. R. Martin's series of fantasy novels, uh, in which the first is called A Game of Thrones. Now, 
Game of Thrones is about the kingdom of Westeros uh, or the seven kingdoms of Westeros, which is led under the king, the ruler, the kingship of Robert Baratheon. And it takes place years after his rebellion. And it involves uh, what they call the major great houses and and follows great conflicts after the the death of the main king, which is Robert Baratheon. And it's pretty good. I, I'm kind of rambling on about how to describe it, but it's loosely based on the War of the Cousin, which I, I didn't find out until recently, which is also known as the War of the Roses. I love your description. I, I didn't know I was muted, but I kept including laughter every time you started to ramble. <laughs> <laughs> I rambled, but yeah, it's uh, the big part is I didn't know it's 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 based on the War of the Cousins or War of the Roses. War of the Rose, yeah. Which I didn't know about that until just recently. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at this. Game of Thrones is a fantasy TV show about a whole bunch of kingdoms and people backstabbing each other in order to become ruler or power or so on and so forth or just revenge. And there's dragons and zombies in it. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's a good, good summary, I think. Anna, would you would you describe it any different? Not much, because I haven't read the books. I've only for me, it started to exist when it came up as a TV a TV series. When I started seeing the trailers, and this is awesome, and then I heard about it's based on a book and and the the War of the Roses and 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 backstories. The War of the Roses, I read a lot about old Eng- England and and that history, so I'm I'm familiar with that. But the the uh, George R. R. Martin's books was an un- unknown to me. So for me, it's a TV series. I had a very different introduction to it um, okay. because I read through the Game of Thrones 3.5 D&D role-playing game before the show was even a blip on the radar. Oh, wow, really? And I've never read the book, but since the show came out, I have read through all the Wikipedias on the books, all the wikias and wikis and fan wikis and so on and so forth. And I still don't really have a handle on the plot. Maybe I'll read them someday. I don't know. All I know is my best friend, Sandro, who read the books, hates the show. So... That kind of motivates me to read the books more. <laughs> I've, I, I've read the first the two books. Over. I, I read the first two books, but I, I only saw, I didn't hear about it until the show came out. And I watched the first episode, I read, and then I read the first book, and I read the second book, and then I just was never able to pick up the rest. Just never had a chance to. But I, I read the books and read the show. Yes, they're different, but there's a lot of differences, but that's because they didn't want it to be just a carbon copy of what's going on in the books, which I can understand and I'm okay with, and I've honestly really enjoyed the show. The Game of Thrones um, role-playing game was actually quite interesting because it was literally the first book. So there was no magic at all in the game and the company that made it never got the money to make another one they were always planning on doing one for each book in the series that sounds like a lot of fun to do actually well the the game was quite neat because it was the combat system it was basically 3.5 dnd except it was made to be super gritty and realistic so you would get tired in combat and you would have you would roll for defense as well as attack and combats were meant to be small skirmishes that lasted a very long time and there were no monsters involved. I like that. That would be fun. All I remember is we we played a little bit of it and the combat, like a one-on-one combat would take a lot longer than in a regular role-playing game. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So 
on our outline, we have listed general discussion about Game of Thrones. Does anybody have a general discussion about Game of Thrones? For me, it was a show that grew on me. Originally, it was they didn't have that big of a budget the first season. So there were a few kind of awesome fantasy scenes with some White Walkers. But apart from that, it was more kind of a historical fiction with, with some fantasy things. And, and in the beginning, I didn't think it was that awesome, so to speak. But then the second season, he started to grow on me and and it's gotten better and better but i have my qualms about the seventh season a bit but we'll get to that i enjoyed uh it from the beginning like but for me it was a little slow like you said the budget wasn't that big and plus setting up the story for them it took a it took a while because there was a lot of plot they had to initiate and so at first it, it was really slow but i i would say like by episode seven of the last of the first season i i was hooked and i wanted more and i wanted to watch more of it i was worried though up until like the end of episode 10 of season one that it was going to get canceled like they weren't going to like they were just gonna be like okay this is a one season show we, we messed up and i'm so glad i was wrong because just from the moment of season two to the end of this season it's for me it's just been a great ride i was really confused in season one for like a really long time and didn't start figuring things that were going on until like the end of season two beginning of season three and i've never rewatched the show i've only watched it on one watch through so i've been really wanting to go back and watch season one now that i know who the characters are and maybe i can understand what's going on yeah i i did that uh, before season seven i said i rewatched the whole of the first six seasons and that was then the first season made a lot of sense and and to me it became a much better series the second time i watched it way better i'm i'm currently re-watching it and i just finished season one because I, I only started at like the beginning of the week the story seems a little bit more uh involved it doesn't feel as confusing you know doing a rewatch because you know who the characters are mm-hmm. and I, I can all i can say is whenever whenever the i watched the first episode because i had no idea what game of thrones was when i watched episode one and at the end with jamie and cersei lannister having sex i was like oh wait a minute holy fuck what's wait didn't they say that was your sister <laughs> and i was like oh see i knew that already because one of the pictures in the in the role-playing game was of them throwing bran from the tower Oh, shit. And there was a lot of, like, summary of what happened in the first book. Okay. So it was like, I was was expecting a lot of stuff to happen. But, like, when they got into the... um, When they introduced Brienne, I didn't know what the hell was going on. That really confused me. Um, When they had the Rose King and all that, you know, it was like, who is this guy? And who is he? Who is is his brother? And is he a Baratheon? What's going on? I don't really understand the lineages. I feel like I should have read the books before I watch this. Yeah, um, because the it was Rinley Baratheon, I believe, and he, and at first you're like, wait, who? What? Huh? Who's this giant woman kicking ass? What? Which I everybody's come to love Brienne of Tarth, and she's just awesome. Yeah, I never really understood who the Mountain was. I never really understood who the Hound was. There well, was didn't... a lot of confusion in the beginning because. It was unlike a lot of shows in the first season, there was like no exposition and they've never like talked about what Robert's rebellion was and you had to like piece it together over time. Yeah. Well, they also uh, outside of the TV series for they released digital shorts that were like done as like tapestry 
stories or hand-drawn picturing of what led to Robert's Rebellion. Like they, they showed like the how the Targaryens originally conquered Westeros, Robert's Rebellion, uh, and who were some of the prominent houses in Game of Thrones was. And it it actually helped piece a lot of things together for people who hadn't read the books. And it was well, really that would have come in handy. I didn't know that existed back then. Oh yeah, they're they they're all on YouTube now, and they're actually really good because they, a lot of them are voiced by the characters from the show. Like it's funny because the, when they're talking about um, House Baratheon, it's uh, the guy who well, who did Viserys, da- Daenerys's older brother. He he all he kept saying, uh, calling him a usurper and saying that like his father was good enough to give him a keep when they they conquered Westeros, and he and or not his father his his ancestor gave his family. Uh, um, a keep and he was really good to them and then they usurped the throne it, it was it was really nice because it, it was snarkiness and then it did the, the, the look them up there they have them on youtube like i said before so but so, oh, go ahead um i'm i'm like trying to have this conversation and i'm like all i want to talk about is the finale it's killing me <laughs> we i you know what it's killing me too considering how fresh it is in my mind would you guys mind jumping to that first anna yeah, no problem. Please. Yeah. So we're okay. getting in, into the seventh season then. Yeah. Uh, uh, recap of the seventh season really is we find that the Stark family, the, the remainders of the Stark family are finding are finding all of one another. In Winterfell, the the crown is now firmly within Cersei's grasp. And John is now the king of the north, which it's funny when they name him king of the north. He's just got that face like, don't make me do stuff. He does have a face like that. Yeah, his face. That's his face. He's just like he looks out and they're like they're shouting "King of the North" at the end of season six. He's just giving that look like "Don't make me do stuff." Okay, so um, all right, I want to talk a little bit about the finale first. Okay, so Brandon, Brandon, and Sam are talking and they figure out who John is. Yeah, holy and shit! And while they're figuring it out, they're on the show going back and forth between them and showing the sex scene between John and Daenerys. Yeah. And you're supposed to feel this like, oh no, that's his aunt. And they show Tyrion skulking in the hallway for like no reason. And I don't really understand that. But I had a whole like alternative take on that scene. I wanted to see like Bran is like, I need to tell John that he's not a snow. He's a sand. And then and then um, Sam is like, no, he really is. He, he was annulled. He's actually the the heir to the Iron Throne. Yeah, and he's, then he's legitimate. And then Bran goes and does his time travel thing and certifies that's that true. Yeah. I wanted to see Bran immediately say, oh, well, I better go check in on John and see what he's doing right now. <laughs> and he just pops back. Oh, like it's the first time he has emotion. We like, can't oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say anything. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, with, with when it came to John and Daenerys, you like for like season one, you're like, oh, and the incest. That's Angel, isn't it? Your sister. I I don't know if I'm down with this incest stuff. And also like season seven, it's like make that sweet Targaryen love. Yeah, I didn't do that. I went, ew, he's having sex with his aunt. I didn't. I was like, oh, it's Targaryen sweetness. And at the same time, I was like, I know what I'm condoning. And but it was that was good. But uh, no, Tyrion, no, it wasn't good. No, it was good. They needed. They needed it. <laughs> they needed this. God, so awful. I know it sounds terrible. But no, the the. With Tyrion standing out in the hall, knowing what's happening, it's more of him th- sitting there thinking, like, this is going to be bad. Like, he's he the look on his face is more that of concern for the cause because he they already have this hard, like, truce, basically, with Cersei. And if she found out that they were sorting like that, she could just fly off the handle. But my alternative take was him sitting there going, like, I wanted at that booty. <laughs> but anyway. 
there was that. Ew. Ew, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's his aunt. Ew. I just oh, want to well. make it clear to the listeners. Ew. It's I'm not condoning that in like that, real life. No, just... no, that's a Michael's official nerd podcast stance. <laughs> oh, for Targaryen. Yeah. For Targaryen. Yeah. Targaryen incest. That's fine with me. You were watching <laughs> season one Targaryen. going, man, I hope we get to see her hook up with her brother. <laughs> no, I know. Legitimately, in season one, I was like, I was like, oh, holy, holy shit. That's her brother. That's holy fuck. That's not cool. And then by like season seven, I was just like, oh, have sex with your aunt. Ew. <laughs> to me, it's it's something that if you look at old European royalty, that was common. It, it, it yeah. breeding was was endemic. So so I'm not. They just follow the old history fairly well. And and to me, that was it was it's an interesting plot twist that that adds to it. And and yeah. to me, it's the 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 po- political dynamic that is is the the interesting part that they had sex. It's more like now they bonding when they find out that they're they're. John has real claim to the throne and and that might I think it for me it was more like a way for for the the scriptwriters to to tell me that they open up a new possible or likely uh, conflict going between John and and Daenerys and and that to me is that what I see is the really interesting part they they you have and that's one of the things that I think it's significant or or significant or, or kind of the common thing with Game of Thrones is that you always have to have new venues of conflict being introduced constantly. You don't know which character is going to die. You don't know who's going to 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 gang up with who against who, so to speak. So it's an open. There is no clear cut good guys or bad guys, and and, and sometimes that's a bit frustrating for me because I like to have the good versus the evil. But it's, a lot of the times it's also cool because it it keeps you on your toes a bit. You don't really know who's the good and the bad. It depends. That's one thing we've lost in season seven. We've lost that game of thrones feel so to say because now we have very clear-cut good guys and bad guys and the good guys and the well the protagonists and main antagonists of the show seem like they're protected like they can't die anymore there's no risk to them when if i think that if george rr martin had wrote the scene where the the crew of people went north of the wall to hunt for a rate for a white um, main characters would have died. I think we would have lost maybe the Hound or... Um, we lost or, one of the Brotherhood of Banners. Yeah, I think Jon Snow probably would have died if, yep. if Jar Jar or Martin had wrote that scene because when I was watching that, I was like, either Daenerys or Jon Snow is going to die here. And no, we, yeah, we lost one of the Brotherhood of the Banners, yeah, and we lost a lot of red shirts, but Game of Thrones is a show that never really had red shirts for. Yeah, everybody was technically wearing a red shirt. Everybody had yeah. a bullseye. But... I I think because this it, this is if you if it boils down to it's basically the how Daenerys basically is going to get the throne and where and then the unlikely unsung hero which would be basically Jon Snow and Ooh. I can understand them not killing them him not dying but maybe somebody I, I think I think Jorah Mormont should have actually been killed yeah Jorah Mormont being that he was just cured that would have been a really tragic death up there. Um, just getting back with but, just getting back to being with Daenerys and being cured and being able to fight for his his queen, the queen that he chose. It would have been a very fitting, tragic death. Well, also, they didn't really handle the red shirts very well 
because when they went up there, it seemed like a real small group. And it was like all these red shirts kept dying. All these people kept dying. And I was like, I don't even remember seeing them on screen before. Well, yeah, the guy, the couple guys that did die outside of Thoros was the basically wildling guides um, that Tormund had brought with them. And you can see them a little bit. They're usually like at the very head of the pack, just in front of Jon Snow or at yep. the very back behind the, the final thing. And it, it works out because usually those are the guys that are supposed to step in before. All the they had to do was give them some dialogue, give them a little bit of dialogue and make it, make you somewhat attached to them rather than just make them very, very obvious red shirts. You're, that is true. They could have had they could have given them some kind of dialogue. But then again, screaming as you're getting eaten by a zombie polar bear. I can count as dialogue. Now, <laughs> as far as the stuff I liked about North of the Wall was zombie polar bear on fire. That was pretty incredible. Oh, everything we've seen, what could possibly happen? Um, <laughs> oh, oh one on more fire. thing I didn't like. Let me get all my negativity out of the way. Okay. Um, Benjen showing up to just die very quickly. You know what? I actually didn't have that problem. All I, the one thought I had in my mind was he's he's north of the wall. He's riding along, not even looking for John or anything. He's just riding along. He's like, man, I just realized I'm the oldest living Stark right now. I bet I'll live to be like 80. Wait, is that John down there? <laughs> I, I, yeah. you know, it was like you needed one line of dialogue that was like, I'm dead already or something like that. Because there was some exposition where they said that would, they implied that Benjen couldn't go south of the wall. Uh, we, it, yeah, but that, that's more, I believe, towards his duty as a ranger of the Night's Watch, because he, well, he's a firm, hard believer in the duties of the Night Watch and of the well, duties of, of a ranger for the Night Watch. Well, Night's no, Watch. no. Well, he's also a half. He's a half white. That's true. It's very true. Yeah. But I think he could have gone south of the wall past that. Yeah, the, I, I think it's more for in my eyes, all from everything that was that happened, I, I solemnly think that the reason why he decided to never go south of the wall again was mainly because of duty, not because of him becoming basically a halfway. All they had to do was have like John say, come with me and then Benjen like expose his like expose ribcage or something and go, I can't. Yeah, something that would. Yeah, that would have worked really nice. And then he goes and sacrifices himself. Yeah, but and then John wonders what the fuck is up with that? Like. Like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like totally you know, like, just fuck with him. My yeah. brother was it was what? What was was he just badly wounded? What was I could see his heart and it wasn't beating. But I I love the the uh, beyond the the wall kind of episode or, or or part of of season seven. I I loved it because it was some of the best graphic scenes, the best combat, the best and and story wise, it was a lot of it was simply awesome fantasy. It was pure awesome fantasy. You yeah, fight really undead was. and stuff and. And, and just like the, the scenes with the White Walkers in season one, this was fantastic. What I have against it is my general feeling of, of season seven is that this season eight, we kind of knew that will be the, the fight against the undead and, and the, 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 that whole. And season seven was simply to just shoehorn in everything before season eight comes with the finale, with the big war and, and so on. And to me, it filled and it was only seven. If they made season seven, 10 episodes or 12 episodes long so they could tell that story each this is 
I, in, in many ways, the most significant season story-wise compared to all the other ones, because yeah. this is the one wrapping up everything in, 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 in preparation for the final battle, the final season. And they didn't give that half the credit it deserved. I think that this seventh season should be two seasons long. It should be, they could make that 20 episodes and, and really tell the story because there's so much going on. There's so much travel from one end of the world that isn't even mentioned. You just have to assume, okay, yeah. now she's flying across the world and now there, Jon Snow goes from the north to the south and then he's down there for months and, and hardly anything happens. In the first couple of seasons, the, you had the world turning events just happening by someone traveling across the planet or, or across the world. And, and so they have compacted things. To me, season seven feels more like a, a, a regular movie when they have to cram the whole story into two hours rather than, than what I'm getting used to and, and spoiled with, with Game of Thrones, that they actually more like a talking book. They take the time and actually tell the whole story. I was okay with the time frame compression only because I understood why they did it. Plus, I could tell how much time was going on. Like you see, yeah, you see. Um, oh God, what's his name? What's the name of the of Baratheon's bastard? Gendry. Gendry ran, and you when when he finally arrived, he was covered in frost. So you knew he'd been running for days. Yeah, and that you know, not to mention how he collapsed. And the well. north north of the wall is an eternal twilight. Light. so it's so it's hard to show time progressing it does get, like it does like kind of alaska where it's like a like sunset and, and dawn constantly <laughs> yeah. and you can tell and, and they did show somewhat of a, of a sundown scene where it's almost completely dark and then it comes back and it but, but that's because you like you said it's eternal twilight but the how the like you know seasons like all, all the other seasons like it like to get to king's landing in the first season it took them a, a few episodes because they yeah. were they were trying to emphasize how long it would take a large party like that like the king's procession to get there because they traveled about a month if i remember right but yeah if you look at the map if you look at the map dragonstone is very far away yeah yeah. like but you know as far as what people think of the show the time stuff didn't ruin the show it just became a bit of a joke like i've seen memes where people have put jet engines on a raven yeah but the thing with with game of thrones i think uh, depicts time in the same way that a role-playing game scenario campaign does it Time is not how many days have traveled. How long something ago is how many events away. Meaning a journey across the the, the country doesn't. You, the only way you can perceive it as a journey across the country is by the number. It's not the number of miles that the character travels. It's the number of events. The, exactly the number of events. So so in order to make it feel like an epic journey, you have to get over tons of of, of encounters and 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 struggles and and side quests and so on. Then it feels like a long journey. Yeah, and let's see Danny fighting a giant bird on a dragon on the way. Yeah, and, and yeah. That, whatever, yeah. But but that I didn't get that feel at all in season seven. I got it in the the, the first season was amazing because that was just like a, a, a travel across the kingdom and it still felt like, wow, this world is huge and it has enormous opportunities and so on. And, and in season seven, it did what my, my problem with most movies is that they shrink the world down to just the happenings just around the characters and the rest of the world just disappears. And that, to me, was happening in season seven. 
One great thing that they've done with season seven is they've connected a lot of the dots to season one. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love seeing seeing Tyrion reunited with Jon Snow and seeing the Hound, the Hound confronting the... um, Oh, when he sees Brianna. Originally, when he first sees Brienne of Tarth calling back to their final duel and talking about Arya, you can realize that it's their realization when he has that look of pride on his face when she talks about you know he's like he's like who's if you're here who's protecting her and he's like the only people who need protection are people who fight her and everything and he actually has like almost like a proud dad moment because yeah. of his time with Arya and then it's also a full realization that he and Brienne have always been on the same side it's just that they kind of fought each other not realizing it and, and it was like a realization there was, there was family bias exactly and then it, it was there was bias and everything and now he honestly since he's joined the Brotherhood without banners he's really refound himself and allowed himself to find uh, purpose and happiness outside of you know uh, deciding what fight's worth his time. Okay, so there's an interesting thing that happened. The Hound got a vision from the fire. Yes. And the Hound is is kind of interesting because of his phobia to fire. Yes. Could he be some... Could he be the ironic chosen one of the... of Oh, what's the name of the god? Uh, Bail... Uh, not Bail... Uh, the Lord... Lord of Light. Light. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing is uh, he could honestly, yes, he has a phobia with fire. Uh, I mean, come on, his face got shoved into it and partially melted off. So, of course, you're going to he's going to have a phobia of fire. But to see this like he's he's surpassing that in himself, he's finding purpose within it, especially after the vision from the Lord of Light about the wall. He, I would not be surprised if at the end, like at some point in season eight, if not at the very end, we see him become a red priest for the Lord of Light. Yeah, he's one of the the characters that I think just was I just took him as one of these uh, stupid brutes to begin with that was just there to to give combat to the some action into the story. But he's grown, and I I kind of get more and more fond of him as a character because it's he he is he he is in more has more depth to him than I believed. And, oh and yes, and and I just love him. And and my criticism of of season seven being cramped, it's actually praise because I think the story of, of season and the narrative of season seven is simply awesome it just deserves more time to get full full bloom fully so to speak that that's to me it's it's that you that good of a story you shouldn't cram that in i i i I think it deserves to be (laughs) to be fully uh, elaborated on in exactly and and so on and that's so my criticism is kind of praise to the basic story it's just that it deserves more. yeah also uh what we were saying you know with his development everything is when he finally sees his brother the mountain and when he finally meets Gre- sees Gregor again and he's like oh, you're finally uglier than me but also at the same time he goes yeah you know who's coming for you and he goes and you know you know what he's going to what they're going to do and it, it's it's interesting because it's almost like him saying it, it it's a, almost like a prelude to him becoming a red priest like it would be like that because like the lord of light could be coming to him coming for him because of everything and that's one thing that i really like that like nice little foreshadowing with it and it's just with his story development, I've been most impressed because he's been a character that I've wanted to follow because he has shown more and more of himself. And, you know, he went from just like a, a brute warrior that was a brute warrior to somebody who has that shows massive with an internal conflict with himself to somebody who had realized he has something to offer a student 
and to somebody who's realizing his own path. And it's like they, they've had a lot of good development for a lot of characters in yep. at least these last couple. Yeah, I think that's one of the most defining things of Game of Thrones that put it on top of, of a lot of series, uh, regardless of genre, is that they actually develop characters. They change the character, change their purpose, and they develop a, multi, a deep personality and, and a broad personality. So they feel like real people. And, yeah. and, and it's interesting. They, one of the, I think, key ones is Tyrion. And he he is he's that just that little uh, kind of little dwarf that is is just drinking and and nothing and then he becomes a, a master of tactics and strategy and so on and and he's he has the whole range of depth from the the simpleton making stupid jokes and 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 sarcasm. He to, went to, from a very aloof yeah. aristocrat mm-hmm. to yeah. an involved man of his realm. Yeah, and he, it, it felt it natural for him to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, you know who else in my in my book, and I'm sure a lot of people agree with me that has come full circle and has developed in greatly is Jamie Lannister because when he when the when the series first opens he's a he's on the king's guard he's very cocky uh, very sure of himself aloof doesn't care about anything except maybe the next fight his sister and that, that's all he cares about but now it's at the close of season season seven in in the finale at the end he his sister she's telling him that he's stupid that he never paid attention to politics he was only in it for the fighting and hunting and and glory and he calls her bluff he he's finally to that point where he calls her bluff when she says nobody walks away from me the mountain had his sword drawn and he still told her i don't believe yeah did did, did did cersei arrange that beforehand like if i ever nod at you when jamie's there um don't kill him <laughs> <laughs> they must have some sort of telepathic simply that that the man, he can read her thoughts or, or or she can just send thoughts to him or, or whatever some some sort of of control beyond I words. think she yeah, has to actually say the I think she has to actually say the word kill him uh-huh. and when she nods it's like been like he's she's done it a lot so I think her nodding is just like her way of saying let him go yeah. and he but that's what I'm saying with, with Jamie you know he's really found himself he stood on his own feet and he's now drawn his line and he's he's telling her i'm going to show you that i'm smart i'm going to show you that i know where the right where the right choices lie and you can't control me he's like he's basically telling her i'm the lion and i and you're the sheep and i am not concerned with how you want to control me i'm my own person and it shows in his last scene when you see him riding away from king's landing and putting the glove over his gold hand it's it shows the complete change within his character that he's now putting away that gilded man and becoming the warrior he was truly meant to be mm-hmm. yep and and to, to me that will be an awesome if he can make a comeback and become because we never really saw that we just heard all the stories about him being that awesome fighter and blah 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 and they it's referred to the battles that he did but we never seen it really yeah. because he he got crippled and and brianna yeah. kicked his ass and and so on and so forth so he's been treated badly the entire every season but he was always described as this awesome hero that that yeah. that, that we never saw and, and he was will the be, slayer. yes exactly and yeah his he was treated as as i, I want to say it didn't really show until the around the end of season three that he there were he was treated as past his prime like yeah. all your mm-hmm. all your deeds are now in the past yeah you have nothing left to give because all of his stuff happened you know before he was in the king's guard uh his like they they, they they really say his last great act that made him of note was killing the Mad King. Yep. And so, but now he's showing that 
and this is him showing that I can still do this. I still have my worth. And I, I really, really enjoyed how they showed him departing King's Landing, mm-hmm. yep. putting away I- the boy and becoming the man he he needed to be. Yeah, and to me, that's one of the most promising, interesting things for, for, for season eight. That That's what I'm really looking forward to see what happens with him, so to speak. He, he's the, the, the character has always been around, but not of much use at all. Yeah, now he's going to have great use because he was, he was more of a plot pin to get things mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. He's either influenced things or he's been a, a holding card. Like almost the entirety of season two, he, or parts of most of season two, he was was locked up he was rob's prisoner mm-hmm. and yep. so it that's what what it ran for and then like so he was just like a bargaining chip he kept the armies from full advancement now now he'll be the one to deal out choices but and that, that's what that's one of the frustrations that i have with game of thrones that i know it's good for for a story but the frustration is that all these awesome warriors rarely get to fight they rarely get to show their their worth is that there is brienne of tarth she she done some there has been some awesome fight scenes but few and far in between and 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 they always two-thirds of the time they always get it run into trouble and and end up in a bad spot i want yeah. to see brianna tarth i want to see the jamie lannister simply go beat the crap out of i want to see some some action scenes some heroic fantasy yeah fight you want to see them you want to see them show their actual metal yes yeah and that's something i'd really like to see for brianna tarth as well because she mm-hmm. is a fantastic warrior yep and I think that all the guys that were that went north of the wall really showed what they're made of. I mean, yeah. Jorah Mormont showed how versed of a fighter he really is because he's had really he actually had a lot of good fights in Essos and Bravos yes. and uh, Marine. Like he's he's proved his mount. I loved a lot of his action scenes, especially when he he fought in the arena for for Daenerys, which I think was very good. And then for and because and then Tormund and the Brotherhood and everything, they really showed that they can fight well and that they held their own and I think that we there's other characters like Brienne that need to show what they're fully made of yeah and the thing there's so many awesome fight scenes in Game of Thrones the problem is that they never bloom fully they're just tiny bits they're like a minute here they're just a little bit yeah. there it's like I, you don't I want to see the that really epic the, the, I guess one of the the there was Jon Snow in the the battle in, in the end of what was it season so, 5 oh the He's the end of season six, the Battle of the Bastards. Yes, exactly. That was that was. I want to see more of that when he's that was on. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that one was and that... Hard Home were just amazing battles. Yep. Yes. Hard Home was good. Yeah, Hard they... Home was when I was like, "Wow, they finally have fantasy on this show." Mm-hmm. Yep. They they, yeah. they should have more. The, the the thing the fighting they have is epic and it's it's so well produced and and graphically fantastic. I just want to see more of it instead of it... one minute. I want to see some 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 well, five minute fights some ten the, minutes fights the um the loot train the loot train attack was like 15 minutes long yes that yeah that one was but he was Ugh. he was a lot of, of general destruction with dragons and stuff you the, the characters don't get to it doesn't get gritty I want to see epic sword fights the, the, the actually the the one that was I loved the most was between Brienne and 
uh, Arya Stark when they just that was a gorgeous fight. Yes, it was a gorgeous that, fight. That was amazing to me, and and there was no hurts, no blood, nothing. But it was still amazing. Did we just that, become best friends? Yeah, that that was yeah. They they started to respect each other. So so it's yeah. interesting. The fight that wasn't really a fight was to me some of the best sword fighting I've seen on 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 screen, and that was oh, yes. just amazing. Yep. One of the things I think that was mishandled in season seven, and I want to bring this up now because we're going to be out of time soon. Peter Baelish, the whole plot between him and Sansa and Arya. So the way we saw it is we see Sansa and Arya starting to have conflict and it's and it's and it was created by Peter Peter Baelish working behind the scenes. Yes. And we see all this conflict between Sansa and Arya. And then in the finale, they flip it around and make it a surprise by they were really setting up Peter Baelish. But since all they showed us was the conflict between Sansa and Arya, it didn't make any sense. It was like they just engineered it to be a twist. And the twist didn't work because they didn't give us any clue that something else was happening. Actually, I, I disagree with that. I think when Sansa goes into Arya's chamber and she finds her her pack with her lists and her details and the masks and Arya confronts her and, and, and pulls a knife and says, I wonder what it would be like to be Lady of Winterfell in all of those pretty dresses and all I would need is your face. I think that's when Sansa realized she was lying about, like, she realized what was going on with her sister and how the lies that she was telling about, like, or the lies that Peter was going on with, because she knew her sister never wanted those things, but she knew somebody who did. But also, you can also state that and think that she started to realize what was going on when Baelish told her his little game. I like to, when people are, I, I like to think, when people lie or, or betray me, I always think of the worst possible thing that they would do what they yeah, did. Yeah, it's kind of there, but all right. But at the same time, how I hold on, Michael, let me tell you how I think they should have done it. And then you can decide if you agree with me or not. I think that they missed a huge opportunity. If they would have shown it from Littlefinger's perspective instead of Sansa and Arius, and we would have watched him walking around and doing his plot, it would have looked like he was going to win, setting yeah. the sisters against each mm -hmm. other and just seeing the sisters talk from his perspective. Then when it flipped around and they turned the tables on him, it not only would have been a real shock, but it would have also paralleled with Ned's Stark's journey in season one. Yep. This is very true. I, I do yep. agree with you to that at, at a point, though I think that they painted that really well, even still going from Sansa and Arya's point of view. You know, um, you're not just wrong, but if you were wrong on an elevator, you would be wrong on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will tell you, it was insanely satisfying to watch him have his throat opened. Yes, and a little gross. No, I, but I, I'm not so. I, I kind of liked him, his character, because he, he, he was that kind of plus plot twisting smart guy that that I think he, I, I enjoyed him. He, he, he was to me, and, and basically because he. Is represent what is missing in a lot of uh, ones that you don't really know which side he's on, and also because he did it well as a, as a, the, the the actor made made the role, he played it really well. But oh, yes. and also because it added some some him and and um, uh, Varys their relationship and stuff that that to me broadened the scope a bit and and added to the 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 depth to the story and and I just so so it's it's I don't miss I will not miss him it was good that he that he got what 
he deserved, but it was one of the things that I think this series would have been way worse without him. And, and it was, I, must, I, yeah. I really it was liked worth him watching him too. do what he was doing. Yeah, I really liked him too. And I actually yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they would have revealed that he was the one who instigated Robert's rebellion in the first place by telling everybody that she was kidnapped. That wouldn't yeah. surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me. But I enjoyed the well for me because okay, I I loved Ned Stark. I I thought he was just he was the bee's knees because he was the last man of honor in the in the Seven Kingdom, basically. I mean there were other guys, but he was he was always seen as the last honorable man. He never <gasps> compromised his honor until it came to his children. And you see that in the last in the episode nine of season one. Now and when it was Littlefinger that betrayed him and made him think that he had his back and then he turned the gold cloaks on him it just and then to watch him finally get it in season seven it was very vindicating especially when brand tells him you put a knife to his throat and told him not that and said that he shouldn't have trusted that you had told him he shouldn't trust you and i was just like oh yeah that's right you are a piece of work so he was he was that he was technically a necessary finger in the pot giving it a stir and i enjoyed how he manipulated certain things and had certain things happen but like you said i'm, I'm not gonna miss him yeah to me ned stark was was uh, the boring good the the they're boring good that I'm I'm glad that the series they got rid of him in season one already. So 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 because he he was necessary, I think, for for to to bring the story and you need some some good heroes to to sacrifice. But I'm glad he got sacrificed. For me, that's a character that was a, a simply a boring good one. The 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 too normal and and too good. And I want and I, I want the, the the this the lawful stupid Brienne of Tarth getting angry nasty. I like that kind of that the, the one that is is in the good guy that is as ruthless as the evil just fighting the the evil ones and not everybody else and and because that makes me because i when when my gut feeling when i want game of thrones i want paladins who kill the evil but the, the good thing is that game of thrones also gives me these characters that frustrates me a bit so i really enjoy the wonderful scenes so it gives me pleasure i'm not even understanding that i i need in order for it to make it good that's in the beginning it frustrated me but now when i read it or or, or watched it a lot then it's actually bad than 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 I could conceive it to be from the beginning. So it yeah. gives me things I didn't even understood from the beginning that I wanted to see. Yeah. Well, I know, think that's a really good point. But we are out yeah. of time. Real quick, uh, I want to say one thing about okay, the fine. The like like you said, you know, she's like the stupid good and everything. She's loyal. She keeps her O's and everything. But to see her get angry at Jamie and tell her to fuck uh, and told him fuck banners, fuck loyalty, fuck oaths. Yeah. That just shows you how big of a deal this entire conflict is. Is whenever she, whose sword is called Oathkeeper, mm-hmm. tells him fuck those things. This is important. Yep. So that's a that was a big deal about it. All right. So I have I have a really important topic to bring up before we before we close out. We're doing this episode again because we talked about this became a season seven review, basically. No, no, we talked a lot about Game of Thrones. We actually covered everything. We did good. No, I'm I'm talking about um everybody gets one theory about season eight. Starting with Anna, what is your speculation? What do you want to see happen? Uh, my speculation is that first the the uh, the conflict between John and Daenerys that uh, I think might be the 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 one that will sail up to be a biggie, and then we have the uh, the 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 theory that Bran Stark is the the evil undead king, and that I read about on the I didn't even realize it, but that's another one that that are the the dark horse, and I'm so interested to see what Jamie Lannister can become. That that is the one I'm, 
he might be Azora High. Yeah. The, the, the theory is that he might become Azora High. See, okay. I think uh, the Hound is going to be Azora High. Uh-huh. That's very likely. I could see mm-hmm. that very much. Yep. All right, Michael, what is your speculation um, wish list? What do you want to see happen? Uh, I would like to actually see them find out. Like, I want Brand to tell them who John is, and I want because uh, that is like Anna said that con- that new conflict there between them will be very nice to see play out because with him being a legitimate Targaryen, he's has the better he has a more vibe for the throne than she does technically. So I would like to see. I'd like to. That's one thing. And then I'm I'm kind of hoping that the knight the knight's king is uh, is an ancient Stark, but not Bran. But if that if it fruition that way, I wouldn't be disappointed. So I'm kind of hoping to see the reveal of who he really is, and I want to. And I'm hoping to see the fight between Viserion and Drogon. Those are things I'm looking forward to big. Oh, one other thing. I'm also looking forward to seeing Torment pop out of the snow like a fucking daisy and be like, <laughs> I need to make my giant baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to see Torment fight his uh, something really epic fight to go down that yeah. way. Because yeah. just that, like, we didn't touch on that final scene with Viserion burning the wall down with blue fire. And you just see Torment and uh, Barrack just on the wall. Like, I'm hoping, like, be. Because Torment is one of my number one favorite characters. Like, if I had, if I, like, you get two friends from Game of Thrones and they're your best buddies, I want Davos and Torment. Mm-hmm. You want to see Torment fuck the dragon? Yes. I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I want him to walk together. up behind Viserion and be like, remember me, you cold fucker, and just start <laughs> to beat the <laughs> shit out of that thing. Yeah. That might be what they set it up to be. So, so he get get really pissed because he saw it, he saw it happen. So he could yeah. be one of the, the yeah. yeah I, like, um, like, I want him to pop out of the snow like a hun and just somebody be like it was like watching daisies yeah. I okay so mine um I have a couple of good ones I want to see um Kyburn the um Cersei's Meister his oh his uh, the unchained banished my uh, yeah I want to see Cersei show up with an army of whites that he made oh yeah because he was inspecting the yep. white that's true yeah I mean I expected him take that white hand and just like shove it in his cloak and be like you didn't see anything <laughs> oh yeah mm-hmm. um, the hand was still moving he, he had that look in his face like I have been laid forever <laughs> oh my god um i also want to see um season eight start with peter baelish showing up in um in king's landing oh my gosh yes holy crap that would be beautiful <laughs> yeah um mm-hmm. either either start or end with peter baelish showing up in king's landing and you know what would be really neat is if season eight ended with there's all this conflict and cersei doesn't exactly win but she's still at king's landing and then peter baelish that the series ends with peter baelish meeting with cersei oh my gosh and then you're like it just ends with you're thinking well yeah aria probably killed her <laughs> just like an ambiguous ending you know what that as long as it doesn't cut to black it like like mid-sentence like let him finish like let him in parentheses finish his, his sentence and then go to black would be great like like it's good to be back in king's landing your grace An- another good credit death of cersei like people have been saying like they want jamie to kill cersei or they want aria to kill cersei well that's a big I, theory right now i actually want to see um cersei's forces in conflict with the night king and the mountain kills Cersei because then I can, can control him. Oh my gosh, that would be really good. Well, the yeah. um, the the story, the song that Ed Sheeran sings, it's originally in the books, originally about 
uh, Tyrion killing the woman he loved. But there, the theory is right now that the song has been translated, has been transfixed onto Jamie and Cersei, and that Jamie will be the one to kill Cersei with his gold hand because yeah, it mentioned that, his yeah, gold hand. That I think would be an interesting thing. That yeah, I think Jamie will be Cersei's biggest foe in, in season eight. I, I believe so, especially since he crossed her, and, yeah. he, mm-hmm. and it showed that yep. she still cares about them because yep. she didn't kill him. So that's her. He knows her weakness now. Yep. So mm-hmm. we are at that time of the episode where we have to wrap up, and in our wrap up at the beginning, we describe a movie badly to um, one of our hosts. Today it is Anna, and Anna, you haven't seen the Avengers. Exactly. Yep. It's going to be I'm a big dope. shock to a lot of people listening. <laughs> That's right. Somebody has not seen the Avengers. Now, now explain to our listeners why you haven't seen a lot of the comic book movies. And the thing is, I grew up in Sweden and we are kind of, I wouldn't say isolated, but comics are not as mainstay over there as they are here. So, and, and Europe has comics of their own, so to speak. And I wasn't particularly interested in, in comics in general and even more isolated from America comics so that's something i have to suffer for for the rest of my life so the way we do this is we do a very short back of the dvd cover description of the movie um michael who do you want to handle this me or you i'm gonna give it a whack okay Okay, so Avengers. It's the movie that nobody knew they needed because you got your. It, it starts off, you know, the Boy Scout and the drunk and the guy with anger issues and basically Mr. Dreamy Carpenter with his giant hammer all just get together and they have to go after this guy who has a pokey stick. And then you got the two. You got the two normies. They're basically assassins. They're they're in there. They're gonna. They're they're just they're they're sitting there. It, it's basically watching a Green Arrow knockoff try and kill people with superpowers for a while. And then it turns into a giant flying worm where they bring the where they bring the party. Yeah, I, I kind of describe it as a a a d and D adventuring party um, thrown together by children. Yeah, where children can make whatever <laughs> characters they want to make and they make an adventuring party. And the um, the GM doesn't like plan the villain. He just wings the villain on the spot and makes up and improv improvises all the surprises. So every time the players actually do anything that the the villain knew what was going on the whole time and it was part of his plan. So anytime the players do anything, it was a, it was part of my plan the whole time. <laughs> and then yeah. there's a giant worm at the end. That sounds yeah. like a summary of a real bad but memorable uh, game campaign or game session. Yes. Oh, yes. But yeah, it's, it and and the party wasn't thrown together by smart children. Okay. Oh, like like yeah. Iron Man's created by like that kid that always wanted to be rich and 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 like suave, but he was really like the shy <laughs> dorky kid. Yeah. All yeah, right. To, so, to, oh, sorry, go on. Go ahead, Anna. I was just going to say, comics to me is very much like bad fantasy set in the real world. I yeah, think that's a good description of it. They're yeah. really, really, really simple stories. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um. So, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Any projects you're working on? Any projects you want to plug that you've done, or projects of anybody you know that you want to plug? And how people can contact you and find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, they can find me at ghmaps.net, and that's my my current website. And right now, I'm wrapping up uh, Midgard and. Then in about a month, I hope to have my patron up and running so I can run more bite-sized projects doing maps for directly for gamers rather than, than uh, published things for, 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 for various companies. So, so my, my, the rest of the year, I hope to, to, to do a lot of, of uh, small, cool kind of bite-sized projects too. And especially one that will be the Lendor Isles with Len Lakafka. 
and he's another one of, of the old old school D&Ders who, who worked for TSR and did a lot of stuff back in the day. So I hope to get his help and, and, and to recreate the, the map for, for the Lendor Isles in, in beautiful detail. That sounds really exciting. Dude. Um, I bleh, hold on. Let me get my head about myself. Listeners, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at the Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. If you want to reach us by email, you can do so at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, anthony at uh, uh.com that's a good website curses cur- um no <laughs> erica.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com i will get it right one of these days not soon you though you can reach us on twitter at SuperveganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at NerdcastRadio, and at Erica. Um, we didn't even talk about why Anthony couldn't be here today. He didn't want to be spoiled. So uh, Yeah, because how far behind is he right now? He hasn't watched any of Season 7. Oh, my gosh. And you can't even be on Facebook, or you have to hide yeah. from the internet. He's hiding. Oh, man, well, he yeah. He works with very small children, so he doesn't have a job where people are going to walk up to him and spoil stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, front, yeah, in front of in front of three year old, three and four year olds. Hey, did you see that? Did you see them have that incest <laughs> sex last night? <laughs> <laughs> so that is all we have for wrap up. Us <laughs> out. So today, everybody, we talked about Game of Thrones, and it was actually really nice. We we covered a lot more than I, I thought we would, but season seven did take a lot of our talk, which is fine. We really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad Anna Meyer was here to. Uh, take part of it because your take on everything uh, was especially um, appreciated because of your involvement with fantasy role play and everything and and because it's being people who've played Pathfinder and you being uh, a fantasy cartographer it actually helps bring a lot new perspective into watching these shows so thank you again for coming thank you so much for having me and you know go ahead and say that again and I talked over you yeah thank you so much for having me you're welcome and thank you so you know, this has been a really great episode, and I've been your host, Special Mikey. Stuttered on that one. Along with was not Hindu Anthony. The goodbye, Buttercup. <laughs> there we go. And Super Vegan Brian. Goodbye, nerds. <laughs> and with us today was our special guest, uh, Matt Maker, Anna Meyer. Say goodbye, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. And as always, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Brian, get yourself off. Goodbye. Show. We'll be the best. 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 We'll be the best